Thank you, Lord. So good to be in the house of the Lord. If you'll stay with me for a few minutes, we're going to talk about something. This is way off of what I normally talk about. Um, I, I really want you to know that I really feel like one of my strongest um, commissions from the Lord is to teach and preach on faith. Amen? And, uh, well, why do we need to teach on faith? Well, because it's how we connect to everything with God. I mean, if, if we don't know how to connect to the things of God, if you've been told your whole life that there are promises and blessings and we all just say amen, but we never show you how to access them, then it's like we, I've told you that in the storage unit there's tons of stuff for you all set aside for you, but I never give you the key as to how to unlock it or how to access it. So I truly believe that that's why we talk so much about faith because it's important to God. Without faith, it's what? impossible to please God for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of him who diligently seeks him. Well, what's he reward you with? Whatever you're diligently seeking him about. Amen. But I also have come across this. Michelle and I will have been at West Houston Christian Center in June. It'll be 24 years. Uh, Michelle and I have been in full-time ministry now for over, gosh, 28 years and I have come to a startling revelation. Are you ready? Faith only works if you're whole. And I can preach faith to you all day, every day, but if there are holes in your pockets, you will never be able to hold on to the things that we're trying to share with you. It just doesn't work. And when you start trying to act and live by faith, but we have these big holes in our soul, it can become frustrating. Faith all of a sudden can become legalistic. All of a sudden it turns into a formula. All of a sudden it turns into a self-help type of a thing. And it was never created for those types of things. Faith is a powerful, incredible substance that you can take something from the unseen and pull it into the scene. But it's predicated by love. Faith worketh by love. So if my love walk is off, guess what else is off? My faith walk is going to be off. So I have to make sure that I'm not this legalistic. I kind of, I'm running this over in my spirit. I always run stuff by Michelle. And I said, you know, if I read the New Testament, and, and I'm not preaching a doctrine. Does everybody understand? Listen, I'm good. I was as mean as I'm going to be already earlier. I'm, you, I'm a good. I am not coming down on anybody. I'm good. Everybody good? We're good, okay? The spanking's over. We can have restoration now, okay? There's restoration. We're going to go buy you a new toy or something. No. What was I going to say? No. It was really good and profound. Not a doctrine. That if you go into the New Testament without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it can become law to you. A bunch of do's, a bunch of don'ts, this and don't do this. It can turn into the Old Testament because there's a bunch of doctrine in there that we'll just take it and we'll make legalistic about it. Amen, about do this and don't do that. And that's not how the New Testament was created. It's created for a spirit-filled person to read that and be able to get revelation knowledge through the Holy Ghost. Amen? So, 
What I'm going to talk about this morning, and I've, I've, I've had this sermon for a couple of years. I, I've already started it. I stopped it. But we're going to talk about something this morning that I believe is keeping some of us from experiencing the fullness of God. Amen? So everybody smile. This morning we're going to talk about envy. We're going to talk about envy. E-N-V-Y. Envy. Well, pastor, why in the world I don't have any envy in my heart? That's not something that I ever deal with. Envy is what got Jesus killed. Envy, now I want you to back up with me a few weeks and let's go back to Easter. Amen? And let's back up one week from Easter. And what happened? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey and all of Jerusalem comes out and they say, what are they saying? Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And they're taking their robes off and they're pulling down palm trees and they are celebrating Jesus. And the Bible says the Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, you better stop this. And what did Jesus say? That if these people don't praise me, even the rocks will cry out. Can I just submit to you this morning that those Pharisees were envious that Jesus was getting all the praise? And can I dare to say it was that envy that provoked them to start the process of having him arrested and getting rid of him? Because they were so envious of the attention that he was getting. They were so envious of the position in place. They were so envious, it moved them to cut themselves off from the very source of all the goodness they could have had in their life. So when we're talking about envy, it can penetrate a church at multiple levels. And it can, be, it can become so religious too. We can hide it, we can cover it. We can, we can use words like, I discern or I just feel, or I feel led. But in reality, envy in our lives today is a hole in our bucket which will keep us from walking and living by faith. So if you will go with me on a small journey this morning, I'm gonna start it today, I won't finish it today, but we're gonna talk about envy and we need to get it out of our lives. Amen. The minute we get envy out of our lives, we're going to open up the opportunities in this church for blessing, for a, who wants a move of the Spirit? I want a move of the Spirit. And we're having it, but I want it at a greater level. But if we have a move of the Spirit and half the church judges it, that's envy. Well, I, that's not how they did it in my last church. Well, I don't know if the Lord would do that. Why did that happen? That's envy. And I'm going to show you a couple of roots this morning as to where it came from. Amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis is in the front of the book. Don't ever go to the back looking for Genesis. You ever think that the Bible should be in alphabetical order? Genesis 26. And we're going to look. This is the first time that the word envy or envious is used in the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 to 14. Genesis chapter 26, 
verses 12 through 14. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, did Isaac do anything wrong? Did he sow in a time of famine? Was he obedient to God? Is he in God's will? Did he do what he was supposed to do? Amen. Verse 13, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells and I'll get into that in a second. I want you to notice that the Philistines did not envy the stuff. They envied him. Envy, and we can hide it, and we can, we can cloud it like this. Well, I just don't believe that they need that much. Well, why do they have all that? I just don't believe that they... How much are they giving to the poor? And all of a sudden, we'll start hiding and covering this envy in our heart because deep down in our heart, we're wondering, why do they have that and I don't? I'm a good person. Don't they know what I do? I work just as hard as they do. Why did Isaac get blessed? I've lived here all my life. My mother started this church. Why did Isaac get blessed? And I want you to know, because of nothing that Isaac did, the Philistines did not envy his flocks, did not envy his gold. They envied him. Amen? Envy is a spirit, and it wants to attach itself to a person. They envied him and not all his stuff. Envy simply means to be jealous or zealous. But here's the part. It is to move to provoke. These people got so envious, the Philistines, that this is what they did. Look at verse 15. It said, now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the day of Abraham his father, and they filled them with earth. Now, I'm not a rocket surgeon, amen, but was water a big deal to these people back in the day? How big of a deal? It was the source of everything. If you didn't have water, you didn't have flocks, and you didn't have crops. And these Philistines got so envious of Isaac that guess what they did? They covered up all the wells. They envied Isaac so much that they cut off their own source and supply of life. That's what envy does to us. It provokes us to anger. It provokes us to act. And we begin to cut off the very thing that gives us life. We throw the word away because why did the word work for them and it didn't work for me? Why did they get blessed? Why did they get a new car? How did they get a new house? Why are they sitting up there with pastor? What special thing are they getting to do that I'm not getting to do? And what happens is our spiritual arteries begin to harden and we begin to separate from the very one that was our source. Because we believe that somebody is getting something that we're not getting. 
That's envy. And it's rampant in the church. There are no cliques in this church. There are no special groups. You know who my special group is? The 15 people that went with me to the, the center yesterday and helped me give pizza to kids. That's my group. You want to be in pastor's special clique? Come pray on Tuesday nights with us once a month. Come to the CAC and help us feed kids. That's my special group. That's the preferred group. There are no cliques. There are no special groups that we're just trying to work our way into. That's how the world works. We don't use people to get to the next group. We are one family. Amen? And we've got to get the envy out of here. We've got to get rid of it. Where's, where's Gloria and Neil? From India. Do you mind? You came out of a caste system in India, correct? If you were born into a certain caste, you were stuck in that caste. There was nothing you could do. Did that cause people to be envious? Were you always looking at the next class wondering, well, what, what did I ever do to not get what they get? It actually breeds that type of an atmosphere where you have no choice, but you are stuck in whatever social group that you were born into. It was ripe for envy. Because why? There's three groups that are always wondering, why wasn't I in the top group? Think about that. It's not like that in church. Guess what? We are all accepted in the beloved. There is no kids' table. There is no redheaded stepchildren in heaven. Does everybody understand that? We're all going to be seated at the same table. We're all going to have the same things. Amen? We all have access to the same Father. The Philistines became so envious at the blessing on Isaac, it moved them to fill in all the wells. The source of life was water, yet envy caused them to block their own source. Now listen, envy is the byproduct of not being able to rejoice for the blessings of others. Here's the number one way to figure out whether you're dealing with envy in your life. When somebody around you gets blessed, how do you respond? Do you rejoice with them? Or do you sit there and wonder, well, what what, why did they get that? How come they got that and I didn't? Listen to me. Until we learn to rejoice for others in their blessings, we're not going to receive blessings on our own. Until we can start getting excited for somebody else. Jesus danced one time. One time in the Bible. Do you remember why? Because his disciples got it. He rejoiced for somebody else. Amen. And it made him so excited that his disciples got it. The Bible says that Jesus danced and shouted and praised God. Why? Because he was excited for them. We have got to get excited when other people get blessed in our congregation. If somebody gets a new house, what do we say? Next. Somebody believes God gets a new car, what do we say? Next. One of your children comes home, been on drugs, been a runaway. What do we say? Next. We need to learn to rejoice with people when they get blessed and not envy what they have. Amen. I can't envy somebody else's blessing. So a couple of ways, well... Envy is centered in low self-esteem or an inferiority complex. I dare to say that if I grabbed all the people 
that feel like they were left out from everything and got them in one room, there would still be some people that felt left out. Because it's an internal thing. It's not an external thing. If you don't feel like you are good enough, then you are never going to feel good enough wherever you are. If you always feel like you're inferior, guess what? You're taking that with you wherever you go. You're going to see it in every situation. That is the seed of envy, is I don't feel good enough about myself, therefore I have to attack what you have to feel better. That's what's happening in our country today. People want stuff that they don't work for, they don't deserve, and they haven't earned, and they're mad, they're envious because they don't have it. I didn't think it was going this route this morning, but we got to deal with this church. We got to deal with envy. Amen. We got to get it out of our hearts and out of our lives. We should be the most thankful, grateful congregation that the world has ever seen. Amen. We should be getting excited for each other. We should be the world's greatest cheerleaders for each other. I want to see you succeed. Who's believing God for something right now? What do you believe in God for? Huh? I got hands all over the place. What do you believe? I cannot wait to see that thing come manifest in your life. I want to be the first one at your house rejoicing with you, doing the jig, doing the dance. It's going to act as if I got it. I want to be as excited as if I got it. Because guess what? If it works for you, it works for me. Because God is no respecter of, per of person. How does it make you feel when someone else gets blessed? Here's a bad one. Do you find joy when someone around you fails? Do we say things like, serves them right. I knew it was coming. Do we rejoice when those around us fail? Because guess what happens when we do that? The judgment that was on them now comes on you. Do you frequently scrutinize or judge what others are doing and call it discernment? God will never uncover somebody to someone else. Don't you dare believe that you walk in discernment because you know something about somebody. That is witchcraft and that is manipulation. That is not discernment. Discernment is there to set somebody free, not to hold them in bondage. We got to get rid of judging everything and everybody. And I'm chief sinner. Forgive me. I, I deal with a hard heart. I've been in ministry too long. I deal with a hard heart. Because I've seen it all, I've heard it all, been lied to, conned to, the whole nine yards. But that doesn't give me a right to shut down and quit believing and quit loving. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you. I am not a correcting type person. I hate conflict. I really do. But I want us to go somewhere. I want a move of the Spirit in here. I want a place where the Holy Spirit will call home. And unless we deal with some of these things, we're not going to see it to the effect. Because guess what? We control, not God, what happens in here. He's only going to move to the level that we allow him and we die to ourselves to see him move. 
Do I downplay the success of others? Sure. Why'd they get that job? Why'd they get that promotion? Don't they know what I do? One of the scariest things that you can see in scripture is when somebody in one office envies someone in another office and tries to attain to that office without going through what that other person did. Because of right, because of entitlement, or because of time. And those things mean nothing to God. Are you ready to hold that position? Have you gone through? See, we all like to watch football on Sundays. Amen? Oh, I want to be a football player on Sunday. I want to put on that uniform. I want to run out there onto that field. I want a million people screaming my name, but I don't want to go to practice. I don't want to sweat. I don't want to work out. I don't want to eat what I'm supposed to. I don't want to sacrifice, and I don't want to do all the other stuff. But I want to run out there on that Sunday. We don't know what those people went through to get to where they are. But yet something in us tells us that we can just have it without going through all the process of what they did to get there. It's the same in our jobs. It's the same in our homes. Amen? Your completed experience will make you perfectly equipped so that you will become. It's your completed experience, it says in Hebrews chapter 5. It's your completed experience. Then you will become perfectly equipped. Then you will become what you've been called to be or called to do. But you can't skip steps. We can't just claim them as a right and not go through what somebody else went through. Amen? Robin's a painter. I can't just say, well, Robin, I'm going to paint as good as you. I'm just as good as you. I can't even draw. Am I willing to go through the hours and hours and hours of success and, may I say, failures? Because at some point you're going to look at that canvas and just say, I, can't, I don't get this. What am I missing? And it's going through those times when it's you and God, when he shows you what to do, that you gain the experience so that now that you can become that thing that God has called you to do. But see, but we want things, but we don't want to go through the experience. Because we envy what somebody else has. We've got to get the envy out of our lives. Amen. We have got to learn to start being happy with what we have and who we are. Guess what? We're the elect. Everybody in this room. Guess what? You're the elect. Look at your neighbor. You're the elect. Look at your other neighbor. You're the elect. You are special, you are firstborn, and you are chosen. And no one can take that away from you. Only you can lay it down. Do you get upset when people compliment others around you for their hard work? Pick your feet up. Well, why didn't they compliment me? I worked just as hard. I did just the same thing they did. Why are they getting all the praise? Don't they, they, no one sees what I do around here. No one cares. There's just no love in that church. I've heard it all. Why is it? Because people are just not happy with who they are. They're dissatisfied in their own hearts with who they are and what they become. And it's so much easier to lash out at others than it is to actually be honest with God and say, Lord, I need help. I need help. Amen. Now we're going to receive communion this morning because I've just cut you open. And so now we're going to receive communion to try and sew you back up a little bit. 
But I do, and I'm just going to humbly ask that as we are receiving communion this morning, if this is something that you need to deal with, then I'm going to ask you to stand at some portion or some moment of it and just be honest and just say, Lord, I deal with envy. I wonder why others get things that I don't. I'm envious, Lord. I've actually even moved to stop people from getting blessings before. I've been provoked to action through envy. Listen to me. Envy is the destroyer of families. It's the first murder in the Bible was over envy. Think about this for a second. Cain kills Abel, right? Over envy. He's envious because God accepted his offering, but he did not accept his. He's envious. He's so envious, he provokes him to action. Now, God himself comes down and talks to Cain and says, Cain, sin crouches at the door. Wouldn't it be better if you just dealt with this and let's move on? Tracy used this, uh, this, this example the other night. Anybody ever played sports before? You ever had a coach and they were just always on you? They were yelling at you. They were always, and you just come on, why is that coach? They're always on me. They're always riding me. Folks, that's a good thing. It's when the coach isn't talking to you. Now it's a bad thing because that means he doesn't care anymore. So God is giving Cain a way out. God himself. But Cain chooses to be provoked with envy and he kills his brother. And as I was meditating this morning, I felt like the Lord said this. What did we miss from Abel's bloodline? What were we robbed because of envy? Think of all the gaps that we have in our world today in technology, in science, in arts. Were all those things supposed to come through Abel's bloodline? Why do we have some big opens in in, in in medicines and things, but we have big gaps in others? Am I dare to say that when, when he killed Abel, he cut us off from a third of what we were supposed to have in this earth? Do you see what envy can do? It doesn't just affect you. It cuts us all off. We have got to deal with envy. Amen? Mike and Chesley. Communion at West Houston is open to everyone that's here. Uh, we have the kids in here the first Sunday of the month. Parents, if you know where they are spiritually, then we leave it up to you as to whether uh, to serve them communion or not. Uh, this is not real wine. Uh, this is juice that we receive here either. Some of you snapped your fingers and went, oh, darn. So that's another sermon for another time. But the most important thing you can do this morning, listen to me. God has given us an opportunity today to get right. This is a get right moment. So as you're receiving this, if this is something that you're dealing with, let's deal with it at the altar. Let's deal with it with the blood and with the bread. And let's put it behind us. Let's heal. And let's go to where God has called us to go. Amen?